right, all right, all right. Here we go. This is a new episode of The B-Side, um, a spin-off podcast of The Film Stage Show, part of The Film Stage website. Um, this is a podcast where we examine movie stars, not the movies that made them famous or the movies that kept them famous, but the movies they made in between that were little seen or seen and forgotten, little gems, little bombs, little flops, stuff like that. Explore why these actors and actresses made these choices, decided to make these movies. Um, that's the mission. That's the goal. This is why we're here. Uh, today's a fun one. I'm excited to be here with now, what, three-time guest. Yeah. And and go-to guy yeah. for these things. <laughs> um, this is a promise. I'll say this just right off the bat. This is our fifth actor in a row. And I do feel bad about it. We got to get a uh, f- an actress in here, and that is the plan we have. Yeah, and or a person of color, one, one, or, the, one or the other. <laughs> we have this recorded it, true. We have recorded a Kate Blanchett episode. It's in the can, and that will be coming out soon. In and around, uh, you know, in and around uh, the house with a clock in its walls, I believe yes. is the name of the yeah. movie. So fret not. Um, we are going to uh, we will diversify our uh, our, <laughs> our 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 subjects. Um, but anyway, today we will not. Today we will uh, stick with uh, white male movie stars. <laughs> white, white, Very and white. Um, this guy is he's a Texan. He's a Texan born and bred, and um, very proud of it. His name is Matthew McConaughey. My guest is Connor O'Donnell. Hello. If you've been listening, thank you. You know him. And uh, hi, Connor. How are you? I'm I'm all right, man. Yeah, I'm angling. I'm sneaking in here because I'm angling to be the first uh, member of the five times. Yes, club of on, course. On the B side, so that's I, I had to pull your arm, and I was like, "Yeah, you are well ahead." Yeah, <laughs> we got. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get some competitors in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matthew McConaughey. You know, I think the one thing that's nice about doing him is it brings us back to, you know, he is. I think indisputably a movie star uh you know we've been having this conversation you know with jason statham at the very least about you know how how much are we going to expand on this podcast about movie stars and kind of what is a movie star i think i'm looking forward to you know maybe branching out to directors and and almost exploring how far this concept can take us in terms of you know creative people who have some sort of brand following and how you know what are those periods where they get experimental or they get forgotten for a moment or something like that so i think it can expand and i think that excites me but that being said i am excited that we're talking about a a true blue guy who you know relatively early on was i mean he was considered in the mid 90s mcconaughey People were calling him the new Paul Newman. That was a thing. That was a common thing. And they're like you can, and, I, and and it made sense. Yeah, yeah. You can see too. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, I don't know. You can see too a sort of trajectory with certain choices he was making. Like if, especially at the time as well, like in the mid nineties, like if Brad Pitt was Robert Redford, then Matthew McConaughey was Paul Newman, right? And like this thing of like right. he made these, I think, career decisions that. I think he's still making to a certain degree. I mean, it also helps that he he looks a little bit like Paul Newman. Well, like, sure, you know, like of course, he's got that same. Well, I mean, thing and, about and him. I mean, speaking of Brad Pitt, I mean, it's 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 very actually, it's a great that's a great comparison. It's a very similar thing where both of those actors, Brad Pitt and Matthew McConaughey, um, when you talk about Redford and Newman, 
Um, and now that you mention it, where's our Brad Pitt, Matthew McConaughey movie? Right. It's a when little, you think about Butch and Sundance yeah, and The Sting. It, it's a little silly. that That's that actually kind of an interesting. Because obviously that was, I think after a while, that was Pitt's thing, is he kind of has a Redford thing. Early on in his career, he was in a Redford movie. River right. runs uh, a river runs through it, which is an underrated. Then they did a movie together. Well, later on, later, Spy yeah. Game, which is a cray. I think a. I think we agree on this. A criminally underrated Tony Scott movie. Oh, for sure. I would almost argue, if not his best movie, one of his best movies. I think Spy yeah, Game it's is. My, it's a, one of my personal. I personally think Spy Game sure. is a masterpiece that people. Uh, have have forgotten about that, and, that could be for another, and I hope another I know reason. I know we're gonna go yeah but <laughs> but anyway it's a good comparison because it's it's true they look McConaughey and Pitt look like Newman and Redford and they act like them to some degree and I think when you look at McConaughey now just to be clear before we kind of dig into the the beginnings the period of time we're going to talk about uh, for McConaughey is right after How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, which came out in 2003, and right before The Lincoln Lawyer, which came out in 2011. There are seven movies, yikes, in between those two hit movies that were that were i would say a nascent period a lull of sorts there's a couple of modest yes and, hits yes and no yeah yeah there's a couple of modest hits in there but i think you know we're leading up we're basically this is we're leading up to the what would be known now as the reconnaissance right mm-hmm. and this is that period that quote unquote dark period before he becomes this guy who we now regard as a pretty capable actor, you know, Oscar nominee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winner. Oscar winner. winner. Oscar winner. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, well, Oscar, that's, that's yeah. sort of like what makes the reconnaissance thing. I think what's what's funny, too, and I regret it's like a relatively recent thing I think we've started doing with people we like uh, in pop culture that have maybe not fallen out of favor, but, but you know, are, are on a resurgence or whatever. We ought, like, now it's almost, he's become the point of reference, almost, right? It's like, er, like right. anyone who's getting a comeback is getting their, like, essence, right? Like, Well, and even recently, and this is kind of film stage specific, but, you know, we had this interview with Ethan Hawke that went a bit viral because he had a quote about superhero films. But there's a lot of talk because his last couple of years, especially this year, because he directed this movie Blaze, Ethan Hawke I'm talking about, mm-hmm. he directed this movie Blaze, and he's in Juliet Naked, and he's in um, a bigger movie that now I totally can't even think about. What's 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 First his? Reformed. Yeah, well, yeah. First Reformed, right. So he's around. Like he'll probably get nominated for an Oscar. Well, hopefully, yeah. fingers crossed. But yeah. point being, people keep being like, is it a Hawkesance? And obviously the joke is like, well, no, because Ethan Hawke's whole career is this, right? right his right. whole career is... He will step away and do theater, and then he'll, you know, do a Paul Schrader movie, and then maybe he'll do an Assault on Precinct Thirteen or right, a right. Sinister or a The Purge or something, and then he'll uh, come back. What I would love, I'll say this for the for for the Ethan Hawke of it all. This is just connecting your point about the reconnaissance being a brand of some sort of of a, of, a, of a, a naming convention for these people we like. I would love now. I, I love the Ethan Hawke interview, and I, I did personally love the superhero quote. I would love if he ended up in a superhero movie. Oh, at some that would point. be. Wouldn't that just be? So and I don't, that's not a dig. That I would just yeah. love it. I would love the poetry of it. You I know? feel like if he wound up in a superhero movie, and I think the closest he gets to a superhero movie is Jolly the Pimp. 
<laughs> well, in, well, in Valerian. Well, exactly. Right? Like, he, is that he and I think chooses he's even that because it's Luc Besson and it's big and it's splashy, but it's... Yeah, and I think he's even had a yeah. quote, you know, and this is off the cuff here, but I think he's even had a quote saying a version of that where he's like, well, I was in a big movie, Jolly the Pimp in, you know, Valerian. Right, but it's like that almost no, doesn't right. count. Well, right? of course, because it's a, a, a $180 million independent movie. Right, exactly. Right? Which, you know, exactly, which is like... A, Seek, like he tries to dress yeah. it up like it's a big thing, but it's a, a thousand. And he's and he's great. He's in it for yeah. five minutes. He's great. But the McConaughey movies. Here we go. I'll just yeah. I'm gonna run through them. Um, um, so we have an idea. We have, <laughs> oh god, we have April '05 Sahara. That's a good picture. I like that picture. Uh, Sahara's a good picture. <laughs> uh, we have October '05 Two for the Money. We have um, March '06 Failure to Launch. December '06. We are Marshall. Definitely an Oscar play, which we'll get to. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. Um uh February 08, Fool's Gold, a reunion with Kate Hudson. Right. And then September 08, a strange one. Surfer, comma, <sighs> dude. God. Hoy. And then just eight short months later. And this, I think, is really the one where people were like, All right, Matthew, enough. In May, summer release, by the way, which I, I, that's well, so the strange. The fact that this movie didn't come out Christmas I is just, stupid. Or, or any time other no, than but May. Given the th- sure. Yeah. No, okay. But yeah. this feels like... Anyway, May 1st, 2009, 2009 Ghosts of Girlfriends <gasps> passed. Yeah. Now, okay. So... Real quick, McConaughey was hailed the next Newman, um, you know, kind of famously was hanging around Texas, was friends with Richard Linkletter, haphazardly auditioned for Days and Confused, right? Got a, had a small role in Days and Confused, has the famous line, that's what I love about these high school girls, yeah. right? He's got a memorable little role. The, the three affirmations, the all right, all right. Right, he's right. In, yeah, yeah, that line also comes from that movie. Yeah. Um, that's 93, and then he becomes, you know, he gets representation and what have you. And then he has a, he plays an outfielder in Angels in the Outfield. Yeah. Another outfielder in that movie is Adrian Brody. Oh, that's funny. And stars a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I only the only baseball player I remember in that movie is Tony Danza. Well, he's the pitcher. Yeah, and like the aging um, pitcher. Christopher Lloyd, who's one of the angels in the movie. And then after that, you have Boys on the Side, Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, also starring. Renee Zellweger. Oh, yeah, weird, weird little thing. I would, I would like to do a B side with her in the future. That would be kind of. She would be a great B side, actually. Um, and then I think where his career really kicks off, right? And you're talking about so Days and Confused is '93. This is three years later. And this movie, I will say, is amazing. I've never seen it. Lone Star. Yeah. John Sayles, who is one of my personal favorite directors, I will go on the record saying, if whoever's listening, if you if you don't know who John Sayles is, seek out his filmography. If you like what we talk about here, start with Lone Star. It's a very accessible movie. He's definitely an independent filmmaker. The guy's a genius. And McConaughey's actually, he's in only flashbacks in this movie. Um, he's only in a few scenes. But he is so good. He really is so good. His charm, he, he he's... He's playing a lot of different emotions and only, like I said, only a handful of scenes. Seek it out. I don't want to say too much about it. Chris Cooper's in it. Um, it it's a wonderful picture. Uh, and, and he's great in, in his limited role. And then that same year, only a month later, in a similar type of fashion, but in a starring role, and a role that I think Newman, to just to point it out, yeah. probably would have crushed, right, right. is Joel Schumacher's A Time to Kill, which... Yeah. 
is a is a good movie and, yeah. and you know a great uh Sam Jackson performance. And that's that's definitely like uh a big hit. You know, I, 108 million domestic in 96, nothing to shake a finger at. That's no, no, a monster. No, no. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's huge and it's one of those I don't know, it's one of those movies uh that you can yeah, you can see it as like a watershed moment for him, right? 100%. Like 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 where you see him in it. And there I you know, there it's it's a really good performance. I think retro like now that I think especially in re- recent years his performances have gotten even better. Like I would say Well, he's definitely become a better actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, and, uh, by, yeah. by like a country mile. So like I think that part of that doesn't make this movie age very well like cuz you're just like oh he's like way, he's just way better now right uh but you can definitely see like you could feel whoever was watching it at the time be like oh who the who is this guy yeah. like whoa you yeah know? uh yeah and then i mean i guess and the shame and not the shame i suppose but you know the 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 temporary shame of of, of McConaughey's career is is kind of what follows right because you know, he makes this movie larger than life, which is a famous Bill Murray flop. Um, which I would have to guess he made concurrently or before a time to kill. And it was the type of thing where yeah. it came out and he it was like he probably would have rather not have been in it, probably, you know, when when you watch it. It's 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 not a great not a great movie. And then the next year he's in Contact, which is the big Robert Zemeckis movie. Weirdly, obviously, then when you see Interstellar, because they're very oh, yeah. similar they're, movies. They're which, two sides of the same coin, yeah. You know, and he he uh, he plays. He's very much supporting. He's the rom- he's the romantic male lead in um, Contact to the lead uh, Jodie, Jodie Foster. Foster yeah. I love Contact. Actually, I yeah, think Contact is a very too. good movie. Yeah. And and if you're gonna show me Interstellar or Contact. I'm gonna pick contact, and you know we'll, we, we'll probably touch on Interstellar briefly. Uh, but they're two pieces of a pod, and you can obviously see why um, when Nolan Christopher Nolan was casting and thinking about Interstellar, he was thinking about McConaughey. Then he makes, I mean, and this is the big thing, right? December of that same year, 1997, he's the ostensible lead in Amistad, right? Which is a impossibly Long, yeah, and dry Steven Spielberg movie. I would argue it's one of Steven Spielberg's worst. Movies. Well, I this is what I would say. I would agree with you, but I would caveat it with this: the scene in the middle of the movie where it shows the process of Jamon Hunso and his fellow slaves, oh, and like the process getting, of them being sold ta- yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and getting to America, and then the whole yeah. the Amistad uh, uh, rebellion and everything. It's about a 25-minute, um, if I recall correctly, a 25-minute sequence, basically in the middle of the film, that is harrowing and, and, one of yeah, the best, and one of the best things he's directed that, unfortunately, is surrounded by two hours of, 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 of white people with long sideburns yeah. deciding the fate in a court of law of a bunch of, 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 of slaves. Well, which, it's almost like... It's, you know, it's kind like, of a... I guess of the time makes sense, but... I would not have. I suppose I, I would be curious to know why they decided that was the best way to structure a movie about the Amistad. Well, right, you know, and, which and I think it, is especially you know. because it's you know obviously like the movie doesn't age well at all, right? For, no, for right. that for that reason, like white saviorism abound and all that. Uh, but it's it's weird because that middle sequence that you're talking about feels almost like 
uh, it, like that sequence is to Amistad what the Omaha beach scene is to uh, same private Ryan, where it's like this, this, this piece of the movie, I mean, granted all of saving private Ryan feels like this, but this, the sequence in particular being like, yo, this is what war's like. And right. It's, and it's very like, it's horrifying. Right. And that sequence feels like that. And then I think like, I don't think McConaughey is very good in it. Yeah. And hot. Neither is Hopkins really. Well, like, I think it's, uh, what, there, and it really drags the movie down in a way it, that there's a pot. The thing about, here's the thing about Amistad. There's a, there's a posturing about it. Uh, that I don't think it ever um, gets past. You know, it feels like a bunch of actors acting. Sure. And I think, you know, Jimon Hunso is so uh, great in it. Um, and the fact that he wasn't nominated is such a crime. Like, yeah. uh, someone deserves to not, maybe not go to jail, but like get a fine of some sort. But anyway, it's not, It's. It, I guess the point is, that was the that was the moment, right? I mean, you're in a Spielberg movie. It's in December. It's an Oscar push, and it kind of it, it flatlines, right? I think Hopkins is the only one who gets directed. So what's nominated. interesting about the Oscar push for this movie, right, is that so McConaughey chose to do this movie, and do you know what movie he turned down? Tell me, Titanic. Oh, I knew that. Yeah, he was going to play Jack. Yeah, but you know, what, I don't though? know. Granted, I I don't want to get like it's probably too... a good thing, right? Oh no, it's, best, it's long best for everybody involved. Term, right. Leo and Titanic. It's that's fine. right. That's but right. I do think it's funny that like turn down Titanic. Turn I mean, that's down a Titanic. big turn down. And I don't know. You know who also turned down Titanic? Chris O'Donnell, Stephen Dorff. Oh, wow. Stephen. True Detective season three. Can't wait. Oh, Love Dora. It's, it's all coming together. I've said this before. <laughs> yeah. I think his performance is somewhere. It might be my favorite yeah. acting performance that I've ever seen in a movie. I've said great. that. I will stand by it. Steven Dorff in somewhere might be my favorite acting performance I have ever seen. <laughs> that being that being said, he whatever turned, listeners, whatever listeners. I'm just we no. Had, it's we true. Just, we just lost. No, just no, no. So hey, quickly. no, 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 no. I'm not. That's my opinion. <laughs> I love the I love the movie somewhere, and I think his performance in it is p- potentially for my money the best piece of acting I've ever seen. Now, the fact that he turned down Titanic is crazy. Now we're talking about it, right? And yeah. Chris O'Donnell, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he also, I didn't know that. I, and granted, I don't want to. Who is obviously Connor O'Donnell is your name? That's your brother, Chris. Chris O'Donnell. Yes, I do right. have a brother named Chris. I know you actually. do, and that is your who has who Rob has, is Robin who, Dick who Grayson lived in L.A. for a very long time. Oh and, my god! And would get tables at restaurants because people like would see the name and then they'd be like, oh, okay, we'll get you. Uh, which like makes me believe, does Chris O'Donnell like have that much clout at LA that they're like, ooh, Chris O'Donnell. Well, he's here. on that show still, right? Is that show still on with uh, LL Cool J? Ladies Love Cool J? Ladies Love Cool James? It's NCIS uh, LA? Is it an NCIS or it's, it's You know that, those. right? That that's, that's what LL Cool J stands for. Ladies I Love Cool James. I feel like cool I did James. know that and you just reminded me. I do also know that his hat is like a shark's fin. But it's not though. Right, but it's Which not is a weird at all. from Deep Blue Sea. But so, <laughs> now, and then in 98, he does, now this movie's interesting. He does The Newton Boys, which also stars Ethan Hawke. Yep. And also stars Vincent D'Onofrio. And that and is And also it. stars Skeet. Yeah. Ulrich. So, now, that, that movie's is a, boring. That's a Linklater. It's a Linklater movie. Now, I love Linklater. But it's a reunion, because he hadn't. Made a movie with sure him, no right? he had not, and that was and that was Link and look and that was Linklater. It's an interesting movie. I mean, it is an interesting movie. That is Linklater doing a studio picture, right? right. Fox, 
that's that's Linklater making a movie for Fox yeah. called The Newton Boys. And 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 if you haven't seen The Newton Boys, the 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 premise of The Newton Boys is they are thieves, they're bank robbers, but they're nice. That that's what it is. They're like nice people, but they're bank robbers. And if you can imagine a Linklater movie, it is it is it is free of conflict in a way that is obviously yeah. deterrent to the idea of a bank robber movie. Right. Now, 1990 makes Ed TV. I think it's an underrated Ron Howard picture. Um, we'll probably swing back to this because this is the first time he works with Woody Harrelson. U571, I think, is a pretty adequate war movie. Makes $80 million, uh domestic, does okay. And then here, I think this is the inflection point. 2001, what does he make? The Wedding Planner, Planner, starring Jennifer Lopez and a blonde, curly, short-haired, handsome Matthew McConaughey. It's a modest hit. J-Lo is becoming a star. And I think this kind of... And then I think it kind of like... This is the this is where he becomes the movie star that we lament before the McConaissance. Well, this right. Is, he, this 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 fades into where we're going, right? Because this is the other thing. He makes two movies in two thousand and two, right? Two indie movies that are actually, I think, both pretty great that nobody sees. And I would have to think this informs something about the choices he makes after. For, well, Frailty, yes, and no, yes and no, but we'll get Frailty there. directed by Bill Paxton, which is a great movie. Yeah. R.I.P. Bill Paxton, who is a very capable director, that movie is very good. Yeah. Arguably McConaughey's best performance. I would say there's a couple others that are in the running. And then another movie that really, I'll say this, I saw it at a young age, and I, I, I talk about, I, I don't know how many p- people have even seen this movie, 13 conversations about one thing. I would have to rewatch it, but when I did see it, it really hit me hard. And McConaughey is very good in it. It's a very moralistic movie. It's kind of like multiple storylines converging type thing. Was that, that must have been like one of the movies that sort of kicked off. It's like there was like traffic Oh yeah, that, you know I, mean, I mean, I think like, it, what results in crash, right, right, right. Well, right, you right. know, the traffic that results in, you know, you have time code, you have, yeah, cra- you know, you yeah. have uh, te- traffic, you have this movie. You know, I think that was a thing for a minute, and then I think the it's the, like its the, own little subgenre. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think this is probably my favorite of those. I I do like traffic as well, and then you know, a movie I think is underrated. Same year, two thousand and two, Rain of Fire. Yeah, I there. What do we think about Rain of Fire? Okay. Let's spend an hour <laughs> before are, even get to these other yeah, movies talking real, about sorry, Rain of Fire. We're gonna fly through. Yeah. No, we're gonna fly okay. through the B side. So, okay, this is its own B side. Yeah, I it think. is. I we could do think. a whole. Yeah, episode Rain, of about Fire Rain of Fire is has has an amazing scene. Yeah, yeah. And we've we talked we'll talk, about, we'll talk about, about it before. here. It there's the one scene that I I by and large the movie's not good. But hang on, but but we're talking about the scene. Set us up. What is Rain of Fire about? So Rain of Fire, it's a dystopian future. It's like basically, what if dragons, right? And then it's like straight up. No, I mean the premise is li- the premise is literally taken over the world and destroyed everything. What if dragons lived underground? Yeah, and then came above one day, yeah. and then destroyed the whole world. Yeah, and there was like five thousand people left, and they lived, you know, like nomads because there were dragons. Yeah. That we're killing them. That is what the movie is. Which I think when it came out, people were like, oh, this is a stupid Hollywood blockbuster. But when you watch it now, 
and you think about the actual premise of the movie. Well, yeah, yeah. Who like the stones to yeah, make yeah. it? Like when you actually watch it, it's the it's that's the I, premise I of the movie. I have a feeling that if this movie came out now, it would be a hit. Yeah, it would do, it would do way better. That I think, movie is. I think something like Game of Thrones would have a lot to do with that. Like I think just literally like and McConaughey's whole character yeah. is. Crazy he's a dragon hunter. He's right? making hard decisions. Yeah, in that movie. He's the only American, right? The movie. Yeah. Here's the other thing. That's I, I think a bold decision. Takes place in London. It's a British movie. Yeah. First off, right? Yeah. It's Christian Bale is the other lead. Yeah. Pre Batman. Christian. Pre Batman. Gerard Butler, Jerry Butler, who I feel like we've talked oh, about. Oh, I forgot he was. Jerry Butler movie. is a significant part of the movie. Oof. He's like the. He's almost like not the Iago character, but he's like the doubting. Sidekick of Christian, of Christian Bale because basically, Christian Bale is the lead of the movie. Yeah, and at some point in the movie, when they really need someone to help them with the dragon killing, they get an American. Well, it's Jaws. Yeah, that like he's Quint, right? Basically, yeah, exactly. He's Quint. They get a crazy American yeah. with a shaved head and a crazy beard, yeah. and like an axe and like yeah. tattoos, yeah. and it's McConaughey. I, I'm gonna come back to this later, but the thing I do really like about McConaughey's performance in this movie is I think it's possibly one of the first times, and I'm like looking at all of his movies right now that we were allowed to see him kind of go full ham. It's an interesting, yeah, and it's I. It's a little bit of a gift in that regard because, like, I I, look. I really, I'll be honest with you. I kind of really like the movie and and the scene that we kept referencing has nothing to do with only minutes ago. So basically, it's a dystopian situation, and there's a scene in the middle of the movie. You can probably YouTube this. I would recommend. I would recommend watching the film. I, I think it's kind of underrated, but I will say this: if you don't want to, it's fine. You can YouTube this scene. It's about a four minute scene, middle of the movie. They're in their little underground huts. It's, yeah, like Connor said, no McConaughey to be seen. But uh, it's story time at night because there's obviously no TVs. There's no electricity. It's, it's you know, it's it's, uh, it's uh, dark times. And um, it's story time for the kids. And Christian Bale and the rest of the adults are putting on a performance. And the performance is the end of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And it's brilliant because, of course... That will be and is now and will be our our mythology, right. right? Our religion. There's a religiousness to it. So you have this funny thing where, you know, I don't remember who's playing what character, but you have Bale and probably Gerard Butler and these people playing these roles. And then there's the I am your father moment. And the kids, and the kids are like, what the mind. fuck? Right? Yeah. They freak out. They and it's so... It's so it's such good writing, yeah. right? I think you go when you're doing high concept stuff. Obviously, you're gonna make your own rules and break your own but rules, not, and it's, it's great. What it's a I great like moment. Is like I think other movies and like I think other movies try to do things like that, especially movies that take place in the future. Like Ready Player One is like steeped in all of this shit, yeah, and like or even you know like uh, all of the fucking shitty. Hey, remember that old movie Spider Man jokes in in the Marvel movies, like right. They try oh, right, and like right, they right, try right, and like right. bring up the thing that these things would age in a way where they would be significant to a certain group of people in the future, and like I don't think any I don't think I've ever seen a movie that does it in a way that like this movie does it where you're like oh yeah that's ex-, like where it becomes like a texture of the world that they live in right like, well and it's and it's almost like right it it's almost like how I think the Force Awakens trailer 
is better than the movie, right. The Force Awakens, because it's like the because when you watch, like even and I'm not, I'm not the world's greatest Star Wars fan, but I, I do obviously like most people. I, I enjoy the films. When that trailer came out, I watched it, and when it cuts to you know Han Solo being like the stories, they're all true or whatever the line is, you get a chill because you feel this feeling of of mythology of of good storytelling of of lived in narrative and i think the beauty of the moment in rain of fire is when you see the kids react in that pure way you're like oh wow yeah that would to go back and have that moment again what a what a gift that would be and you I'm, know i'm curious about like what's a little weird about the movie to your point earlier is that mcconaughey is not the star of the movie no but, but he was like he was sold like like it was sold like it was yeah he has to you be know, like, I, he has to be first built uh, you know that's a yeah. guess but I, I would be like, shocked I could I could I, be wrong but I think he's above the title I would be shocked if he wasn't I think yeah. he's above the title because yeah. um, like you said this is pre bail Batman right right yeah. so that's the thing and the other thing I noticed kind of as we've been going through these 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 early movies is that he's like co starring in movies with people that would go on to have like for a minute much larger success than he would. You well, know, while he like, was in this period we're about to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Right. And he goes... Tagline, by the way, for Rain of Fire, fight fire with fire. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 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 and just, by the way, on the poster, it is McConaughey and Bale. Like a double McCon- bill? Yeah, but McConaughey's first. Okay, interesting. Um, Yeah. Because here's the thing. So he does Rain of Fire, right? Um, And I think then he... He goes back into right one of the biggest hits of his career, right? Uh, a little picture. All right, all right. <laughs> a little, a little picture. picture with a, a lovely lady. Kate, okay, Kate okay. It's called "How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days." Um, a good look. It's a good rom com. It holds. It holds up. I, I gotta say, I, yeah, it's good. When I was a younger man, I fought against it. I, I, no, you do I, that thing where you're like, you're like you're no, shitty, no. and I watched it with my dear wife Kelly uh, not too long ago, probably within the last year, with that smug bullshit in my head. And I got to tell you, watched it, and I was like, yeah, this is charming. No, it's good, and they have really, really good chemistry. Really good chemistry, and it's it's. I think what's funny is like you know we talked about the wedding planner. I think that gave him like a taste. Right of like oh yeah, this, and is, this could and be their a thing chemistry I can is okay on. yeah yeah whatever right I mean J Lo's got a lot of a lot of charm he's he's I, I will I will say this about the wedding planner uh, he's bad in it <laughs> you know just in terms of I don't know if that's the writing I mean obviously it's it's a movie for Jennifer Lopez it's not a movie for Matthew McConaughey so you can maybe chalk it up to just simply that um, but he, he is not good in the wedding planner whereas in how to lose a guy in 10 days he is charming yeah no and it, and it, it totally works and there's a i i think that the thing that i realized as i was going through uh the b-sides that we haven't even gotten to yet yeah it's it's, um, <laughs> it's literally 2019 uh <laughs> we've been talking about I all missed these other movies. birthday <laughs> yeah uh, uh but anyway I, I the one thing i noticed as i was watching these movies is he gets into the bad habit of like everybody in the world realizes that he's like mega sexy. Right. Sure. And it's not that he wasn't always handsome or whatever. Clearly that was part of why he like, you know, almost became like a really full blown movie star for a time. 
But I think one of the problems is once he gets into that rom-com mode, I think people look at his career, especially when the reconnaissance happened, I think people were like, oh man, he made a bunch of really interesting movies and none of them are shitty rom-coms, right? And I think that's how the, I, th- I think it, it weirdly, I don't want to say tarnished him because I think How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is very good, but like he it just he was the rom-com lead guy right? well, and, and who, I, who like would take his shirt off at any moment yeah and th- and that was like the appeal he leaned on and i think the best thing that weirdly ever happened to him was getting older yeah no and i think you can say that about a lot of leading men obviously and i think obviously something about leading men that is is a is a luxury that sadly leading women are are still you know is still a a struggle, and this speaks more to society than anything, right. is that leading men can age, like you're saying, and become more interesting actors. Right. Where obviously leading women, you know, there's this, you know, this terrible kind of double standard where, you know, you become 40 and it becomes harder to get roles, which is crazy. Where, what we're, you know, this guy we're talking about is a perfect example of how you can be, like you're saying, kind of a, a perceived to be vacant rom-com lead who then becomes an interesting character actor to some degree. Yeah. Um, but one thing I do like about McConaughey, and I think you can probably find this quote in several different kind of moments and in interviews while he was kind of popping with, um, you know, his McConaughey stuff when True Detective came out, is he never spoke ill of those romantic comedies, right? When people would kind of say to him, hey, you're," they would basically not so thinly veiled say to him, hey, you're making good stuff now. Right, right. How does that feel? What I would always love is McConaughey would be like, making romantic comedies is 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 a different kind of work, but it's no easier. And I always liked how he was honest and, and I, I felt honest about, hey, like this is work, right? Like, and this is kind of my point. And 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 let this be the segue into the B sides. How to lose a guy in 10 days is a is a good movie for what it is doing and his performance is to be i think celebrated i mean like you're saying the chemistry between kate hudson and matthew mcconaughey and how to lose a guy in 10 days is not a easy plug-in situation i mean that is acting now let's jump into it yeah with sahara directed by breck eisner son of michael eisner i believe this movie is uh, an adaptation of a Clive Cussler novel in which Matthew McConaughey plays his He like, is the son of Michael Eisner. Thank you very much. Way. Thank yeah, you for the sorry. clarification. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, thank sorry. you very much. No, no, no. Thank you. <clears throat> in which Matthew McConaughey plays Dirk Pitt. Oof. I was... Okay, so I was... Now, I, I've read a couple of these books. I was... I did not rewatch... The, I've seen this, but I had, I did not rewatch it when I was going through these movies. Uh, and I was trying to fucking remember his name and all I could... I was like, Dirk Diggler, Joe Dirk. Like, I was like, what yes. the fuck is... It's like, a, yes. I knew it was basically yes. a terrible name. Now, Sahara is... Um, it was an April release. It is considered a very famous and one of I think one of the biggest box office bombs ever um, it cost about 160 million in production and I think a considerable amount more in 
print advertising. And like famously had like a troubled production. Famously troubled. Like where like they. Yeah. And you can tell when you like. Well, so this is my thing. Yeah. And, and let's yeah. not spend too much time on this movie. It, it, don't watch it. Um, <laughs> uh, I really I can't stress it enough. It, it really. This is a movie where. You see the poster and you think to yourself, "Oh, this feels like a curio." You have, you have McConaughey in in a full. This is a James Bond Indiana Jones. Yeah. I mean, literally. I mean, it is a James Bond Indiana Jones uh, conflagration. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that that's what the movie is. That's I think kind of what Dirk Pitt is in those those novels. He's like a government sponsored spy adventurer guy and you have him you have penelope cruz and you have steve zahn as the plucky comic relief 2005 hello and and um (laughs) and the problem with the movie is just it's a it's it's five movies you know it's 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 an indiana jones movie but then the climax is literally in a James Bond villain base. Yeah, it's like and then in between, I mean, it is cool looking. Like you can tell oh, that sure. they were I like, mean, "Hey, this is a good set." Well, no, piece. But, but of course, yeah. th- there's a million ideas, right? But so, it's like a base with a bunch of mirrors yeah. in the middle of the desert. You know, it, it looks. It's there are great. I mean, there it's are visually great, interesting for a minute there. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, conceptually, it's yeah. over two hours. I mean, oh, which I'm boy. how? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's very. You know, it's it's a treasure hunt movie that then becomes a James Bond movie, and it never congeals. Penelope Cruz very seriously doesn't look comfortable. This is, I think, this was a period of of her career, Penelope Cruz, who I think would also be kind of an interesting B side. I don't know that she ever became quite a movie star in in the United States, but I think she's enough of a movie star internationally that she'd be obviously well worth a, a B side. She was in the weird, you know, a weird career post Vanilla Sky where. She would, you know, I think Hollywood really wanted her to happen. And I don't know, you know, I think this might have been the movie where she was like, meh, <laughs> maybe well, not. Yeah, yeah. I think it's right before Volver, which is an amazing performance. I, I think yeah. it's one of those things that happens where, you know, you you clearly want, you know, you, you have McConaughey in his, you know, physical peak, right? Very handsome. And you have somebody like Penelope Cruz who is, who is, you know, obviously, one of the most beautiful actresses to have ever lived, right? Uh, and it's you know, you assume I, th- you know, it's that Hollywood thing of like, oh yeah, can't we just take two beautiful people and put them together and like everything's it just it's easy from there, right? And it's like so not the case. Like they do not have chemistry. Uh, to your point, she feels uncomfortable and like out of her element. It's not her fault at all. Um, and I think. It, I don't know. It's weird. I think there's another thing, and this happens in in bad versions of these movies, where like even Steve Zahn, just as the plucky comic relief, whatever, uh, just doesn't seem like he'd ever be someone who would be like Matthew McConaughey's wingman. Well, man. yeah, like, none of the chemistry works. Yeah, and I mean, on, on speaking any, as the exact opposite of How to Lose a Guy, right? You know, none yeah. of it works. And now, let me quickly. I'm reading off Wikipedia here. Due to its huge costs, including a $160 million production budget and a $61 million uh, spend in distribution expenses, its box office take amounted to barely half of its, half of its expenses. The film lost approximately $105 million, according to a financial executive assigned to the movie. However, uh, other accounting methods uh, put the losses closer to $80 million taking into uh, different elements. There is a Los Angeles Times uh, report 
and I've actually I've I've read this report uh, that came out in 2007 that dissects the budget of Sahara as an example of how Hollywood movies can cost so much to produce and fail. So look it up if you're interested in this in Hollywood budgets. It is interesting um, the LA Times piece about just kind of top you know above the line costs and how much producers costs and just kind of how 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 these movies these big Hollywood movies can kind of go off the rails. Sahara, I think, became the poster child for that uh, and obviously wasn't very good for McConaughey's career. He would follow it up with uh, Two for the Money, which I guess came out in October 2005. You could consider it kind of an Oscar thing. They were trying to think about it. It had Pacino. It's a gambling addiction movie. It's. I mean, so I had never seen this movie until you you were like, hey, do you want to do Matthew McConaughey? And I, so I started watching it. And uh, it's, what's interesting to me actually more so than like McConaughey in this movie, it does feel, I, I will say when you see the movie he's made before and since, it does feel right up his alley in terms of a character. Like he's an ex, like a he got injured. He was a college yeah, football he's an quarterback. he's star. Was he college or was he in the NFL? I think it's college. Or no, he was, I think it's college. Because he's like trying to get into the NFL. Well, yeah. Because he's like I trying think out and it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. He's like, that's the dream. But he, he ends up in this gambling enterprise that's run by Al Pacino. Jeremy Piven is like the hotshot at the right. beginning yeah, who he's yeah, competing yeah. with. Rene Russo is married to Al Pacino. Pacino is a gambling addict. And and it's like, it's the, the model is Wall Street, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, McConaughey is the young hotshot. It's written by Dan Gilroy, married to Rene Russo, right, right. guy who gave us the super underrated Roman J. Israel. Yeah, that's another and, movie for another day. Which we'll that talk movie, about that. That movie's criminally um, underrated. A and obviously brother of Tony Gilroy, who also gave us Michael Clayton. Um, so Also criminally underrated. Yeah, the, the Gilroys, yeah. t- talented brothers. It does, so real quick, where does this fall in like Dan Gilroy's like filmography? Well, so Gilroy's been around for a while, right? So he wrote, and obviously met Rene Russo on, he wrote a screenplay called Free Jack right. in 1992. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of a famous floppy movie with uh, Mick Jagger. He wrote another movie two years later that was underseen called Chasers. I don't, I don't, I have not, I have not seen it. I don't believe it was very good. Um, and then I think he was, I would guess, in the 11 years between two credits, he was doctoring and writing right, things like and whatever and doing a working, a working screenwriter. Yeah. Um, two for the money, two for the money was his next credit, his so, third credit. Okay. So that's interesting to me. Cause I sort of like, I didn't know that, but I, as I was watching it, it, it does. Cause it, when you know that he wrote it, it feels in line with like things that he's been involved with. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it feels like the kind of thing he would write. Um, but it, doesn't it feels like the first draft of like one of those things right like he almost it feels like he's trying to like really squeeze some like super interesting well, yeah and moralistic character elements out of it and i think dj caruso is like more interested he's a director in, yeah. yeah yeah and i think he's more interested in like what i mentioned to you before which is like just making like a suit bro movie well and i think it speaks to you know when you're making a movie there are a lot of different people obviously involved and and one thing about two for the money is it's yeah it's almost too flashy for its own good for what it's about right i think if you have another creative mind another creative 
you know, another director involved, they might make it a little more scummy, which I feel like would help the movie more because at the end of the day, even though it's it has this Wall Street model, it's like about it's about gambling, right? It's about this yeah. like gambling network, and right? So it's it, there's an element of especially in 2005, and obviously gambling in our country is changing legally as we as we're recording this podcast. But you know, 13 years ago it was a bit different, and it's lit like it's Wall Street Two Money Never Sleeps, yeah. where I feel like it should be lit like I don't know like a Fincher movie, right? It should be yeah, lit yeah. like a little bit dirtier, darker, a little bit, you know, you know, obviously, you know, Fincher might not be the best example, but the idea being there should be a little bit more character. Well, it looks in, it, it in, in the actual like, aesthetic of the film. It feels like it should be lit like Nightcrawler or Roman J. Israel Esquire. Well, sure. Like, and I, and I would get, I would bet dollars to donuts that Dan Gilroy would agree with us. Right. right. I, you know, from what he wrote now, I will, the, my one thing about this movie, I think McConaughey's serviceable in it. That's kind of all I'll say. I don't think it's a great performance. Yeah, I think, he's, what, he's you know, fine. I will say this, and this maybe speaks to Dan Gilroy's screenplay. One thing I like about this movie is I do think as far as I understand it, it does get the idea of addiction and specifically gambling addiction right in as much as Al Pacino is the addict in this movie in terms of gambling. And the idea that for a gambling addict or an addict in general, the losing is the thing, right? There's a scene in the movie where Pacino loses quite a deal of quite a bit of money. And the look on his face when it's happening is euphoria it's great acting by Pacino it's great directing by Caruso because he holds on the shot and I suppose it's great writing by Gilroy supposing that that was the intention in on this on the page and so you know and we'll maybe bring this up in a couple other of these movies it's not a great movie it's probably a subpar movie for what it is but that scene is powerful and I think what the movie says about addiction is uh, interesting and effective where there are so many movies about addiction that I think uh, regard it as something like, and you know, and look, uh, we've talked about, you know, Keanu Reeves on this podcast. Me and you have talked about it. Yeah. I think that's a movie that though I, that I have a soft spot for hardball is an example of a movie that doesn't quite get addiction right where, you know, the thing about it, especially with this gambling, is I think you want to win, but really deep down, a lot of people want to lose. They want the right. rush of the loss. It's not like a jam you're just going to get out of and be fine. It's like they want that an, cleansing um, yeah. of the loss. It's so an I think thing. that's, you know, and that's something about Two for the Money that I do think is worth the price of admission in as much as a performance. I do think it's an underrated later Al Pacino performance. Like I said, McConaughey, I don't know that he really brings much to the table. He's um, very inter- interchangeable. Like it's right. not, he, I think. I think the only thing watching it that, again, I think I, I would agree with you. I don't think he's great in the movie, but I think it the part feels exactly correct for him is like the college football right. loving. Like the, the, the movie is bookended by this like he becomes a, a coach at the end. Right. And it's like it's like we're gonna play this great game of football, which like, I think is a great segue into only two movies away. Yeah, yeah, and, and we'll get the. But it does feel it feels on brand for Matthew McConaughey, sure, kind of. And so it it definitely not know, a stretch. Yeah, no, not at all. And maybe that's why he's bad in it. Not bad, but maybe that's why he's whatever yeah, it's in it. Because he's like not doing anything. 
He's just, it feels like he just sort of showed up. Um, and then, so the next movie, let's not talk about it too much. Uh, it's another rom-com. I'll, I'll be straight up. Uh, I enjoy this movie. <laughs> I watched this movie this afternoon for the first yeah. time. Look, uh, it's not very good. It's called Failure to Launch. Okay. The premise is <laughs> that it's so such a terrible premise. Yeah, I, I don't know why I like this movie. I, I just do. I think it makes me laugh. Um, I can't defend it, really. It's so, kind of a weird moment for me, but I, 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 like, I don't want to be a liar. You know, I don't want to be a liar on this the movie's The movie's super broad. It's super broad. And it's the kind of movie that... What's, what's the premise? Okay, so basically, Sarah Jessica Parker, SJP, is yeah. uh, is a basically like an interventionist. And this is like a job... This is a rom-com thing where it's like a job that doesn't, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, right, right. right. But, so it, she's like an interventionist, but the reason this job doesn't exist is because not she's not an interventionist. Like she's not... It's like a come, specific... Yeah, she yeah. is an interventionist for the specific problem of like men who are too old to be living with their parents right. trying to get them to stop living right. with their parents right and admittedly like it, uh, to your point i i didn't love this movie but i it was also one of the last ones i watched after i watched all the other movies on this list right and so it you know it felt pretty good by comparison but <laughs> but um but it uh it's broad and when you can get with the broad concept of it when you can get past her like non-existent job and like how super silly the premise is, which is basically Terry Bradshaw and Kathy Bates play Matthew McConaughey's parents and they want him basically out of the, out of the house. He has, yeah, and he, ha- and he has failed to launch. <laughs> and, and there is an emotional element to it where basically he runs a ship building, right? No, no, he's a, he's a boat broker like oh right he, he, sells he like sells boats, boats. Okay. but what he really wants to do you know what i'm confusing it with the john cusack diane lane picture must love dogs which came out <laughs> a year earlier in which john cusack builds boats which my god must have been a thing for what like a weird a, for like yeah a anyway but yeah he's a boat broker and basically it's not that he has to live with his parents he's not like a bum he does well yeah it's that there like was, he drives a And Porsche. I believe, like, correct me, you've yeah. seen it more recently than I have. Yeah. There was like a tragedy in his recent past. Yes, he had a... That has resulted in him re- reverting to some degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, so it's, it's one of the, like, he's basically also best friends with Bradley Cooper and Justin Bartha. During that weird period where Cooper was like, after Alias, mm-hmm. and figuring out, how do I get there? Right, well, like a pre-hangover... Bradley yeah, Cooper, right, right. Yeah, only just before Hangover and right after um, Wedding Crashers. Right. So he was kind of in that supporting and he's, actor. He's literally somewhere between like Alias and Wedding Crashers in this movie, where it's like, well, he's the best friend, right? He's he's the best friend, and yeah. he's kind of a dick. Like he's a little bit of well, like he's a Bradley like the best Cooper. friend, right? Yeah, I mean, he, in these movies, his yeah. name's I believe his name's Demo. Am I right <laughs> Which, on that? Every time it came up, I was like, what is that even? What is his name? Yeah. Like Justin Bartha's name is Ace. But they like they explain that just, at some point. If anybody listening or the demo and ace of failure to launch, I don't. This is not a judgment. I just want to ask, like, what is the? You're just like, what are like cool yeah. names? There's okay, and the way that they're introduced is one of the like worst pieces. I don't want to. I mean, I'm not going to use hyperbole, but it's a terrible piece of exposition. They're like, so basically, the movie starts. You realize. 
All right, so just to be clear, we're going to walk scene by scene through Failure Yeah, yeah we're going to go. Okay, this so is now a full episode just, about Failure No, no, but the way, the way the concept's introduced isn't the worst. He's like on a date with a woman. And oh, yeah, they it's want, funny. And it's I, like, I, and I it's like, like going story. well. And he winds up, t- he's like, I'm going to take you home. Like, let's get out of here. And then his like, mom interrupts. And right? Terry Bradshaw walks in uh, while they're Terry. having sex. And it's like kind of funny and whatever. And she realized, like, she did not previously. You live with your parents? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, and it's again, what a high concept. Yeah, it's broad, but it's funny. It works. And but so the whole thing is he does that when he wants to break up with women because he he's right. emotionally distant. Right, 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 right. So the next scene is is literally it's like one of those bad scenes in these movies where like they're talking to the friends or so he's talking to his friends and it's like yeah well this is just the way you are as a character and how you have always been living at home because and it's like nobody ever has the they're like having the conversation over breakfast it's like i feel like when friends really have conversations about each other's character yeah like that's a serious conversation yeah 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 yeah. where it's like hey it's not like haphazard and 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 mcconaughey is like yeah you know demo like when you use your your parents money to travel the world like you do and ace like how you live in your mother's basement but also a computer oh that's the other thing they all live yeah they're like they're like a a a trio of dudes but all for like different they establish throughout the movie they're broken bartha well no no like bartha owns the house that his mom lives in right? right so it's like his mom is living with him right it's the house that he grew up in, but whatever. And then they establish that Bradley Cooper, he's just like a, uh, you know, like a dude who's just like a pot smoking Zen guy who travels the world and stuff. So he's barely home. Right. So it's, oh, and the, it's like not isn't a Isn't Zoe Deschanel? She's the quirky friend. Oh God. Yeah. What a weird time. And she, I, I was going back and forth while watching the movie. Like part of me, I was like, ugh. And then other parts, I was like, nah, but it's. I right. remember thinking yeah. she's funny. No, nah, she's pretty, she's pretty funny. So. McConaughey it, though. Yeah, go. Is. Good. He's fine, but it's, he's in his it, wheelhouse. It is. But this it, is the wheelhouse. So it is. It's weird though because this is before Ghost of Girl, Girlfriends passed. Oof. So it's these are like, and this is kind of the funny thing is like we, and this is what I was saying before. Like we remember him as like, oh, he just does all those shitty rom coms, and it's like he did four. Well, I, I he did the he, wedding planner. We well, did five, right? He did five. He did. He did the wedding planner. He did How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. He did. Uh, the one we're talking about right now, fail, failure to launch. He did Fool's Gold, which we'll get to, and is not really. I think a it's rom- a rom com. It not right, like. Well, let's get to yeah. it. And then, well, I would classify. Okay, and then Ghost of Girlfriends. So he did. Five, yeah, but see, five and eight year, or yeah, five and eight years is a lot. And nine, get, nine sure, years. Sure, five and sure. nine years is a lot. Sure. I guess my point is, is he's, you know, in this movie he's fine, but it's it's that thing that he's leaning on is like he's. He like he does this thing where he's literally just leaning on like the the thing that everybody jokes about of just like I'm gonna take my shirt off like just like he's yeah. just he's just sexy charming Matthew McConaughey and there's nothing wrong with that but it is funny because it's like he hasn't yet unlocked the fact that he can like be an interesting actor and uh, or forgotten the fact right yeah right you know when you right, think right. about his early career sure but this movie so this movie makes eighty eight point seven million dollars yeah it's not really a b-side it's like it's a well it's a b-side in that i don't know that anyone talks about it right right but But it it was a hit yeah you know 130 worldwide off a 50 million dollar budget so does well um and then leads into you know a movie that's pretty bad uh in december of 06 movie called we are marshall directed by mr mcg 
the oh, man God. who gave us Termina- Terminator Salvation and Charlie's this Angels Full Throttle War, Tra- and also is, the two Charlie's Angels movies, including yeah. Full Throttle. I both think I'm not trying to defend. I, I think the Charlie's Angels movies. What's his name? McGinty? Is that his real last name? Get, no, it's um. I can look it up. It's, it's uh James McGinty. No, gives a shit. no, it's it's a uh, it's a surprisingly normal name, I suppose. Joseph. Oh, you're right. Joseph McGinty Nickel is his name. Known professionally as McG. I can tell you nothing made me laugh harder than when I was watching all of these movies and when I was watching We Are Marshall, it ends... And it's like... Directed by McG. McG. Like, it's so... It's so... Because it's such a... Just a... It's a saccharine movie. Yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, you know, there's not much to say about it. This movie is diabetic. It is... Yeah. It's not good. It's, It's... you know, it's you know, I would say this is what I would say. It's it's very much like radio or yeah. men of honor. Right. Or you know, like that. Mm-hmm. Like just Remember the Titans. Yeah, I mean which is a, but bad, Remember the Titans would be bad. an example of how you Glory Road. Yeah, but see, that's interesting though, because I would say Remember the Titans and Glory Road both do a better job as pieces of entertainment. Whereas we are Marshall now, famously, right, We Are Marshall's about the Marshall football team. Marshall is a college. Um, I think the vast majority of the football team died in an air, tragic all, all airplane but, crash. All but four people. All but four. Yeah. And, like, staff. Like, so it was like, I mean, it's very it's very sad. What's, very weird, sad what's weird about the movie is, and it, it, because it's not a bad story. It's, it's okay. about how funerals end today. today. Funeral and today. Funeral and today. Uh, the it's it's so it's weird because I think and granted I'm, you know I'm part of the problem right because I just mentioned like Glory Road right which you think it's one of those movies like a like a Hoosiersy yeah type thing well, and, and that's how it was sold no no and it totally is. But it's not really that movie, no. and I will. And the granted, the movie does not succeed. It's a it's a bad movie. But you know who's good in it? Kate Mara. No, she's who never gets enough yeah, play. No, no, no. Great actress. The, su- the superior Mara. Well, that's my, a hot take but, if there ever was one. Yeah. But I would agree she is a very talented. I mean, yeah. and great in this movie. Great in general. Yeah. Uh, I I only hope we can you talk more about. You know who's also it. pretty good in this movie. I would I'll say this about this movie. It's not it's not Matthew, good. Are you the, say Matthew Fox? No, I was gonna oh, say I like David, Fox. I was gonna say David Strathairn. Oh is, yeah, he's good. Really as well, good. He's the, is he's he ever bad? Basically, no. But yeah. I mean, speaking of John Sales from earlier, David Chatharin, a very uh, a John Sales all star alum, or yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. another just another reason to watch John Sales movies. Anyway, um, this episode of the B Side is brought to you by John Sales. John Sales. He's <laughs> right. He's next to us here. Hey, John. John, let's introduce our guest, John Sales, <laughs> an hour into the podcast. So no, you know we are Marshall uh, Saccharin. Uh, like Connor's saying, you know, it's 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 about moving past something rather than it's about moving towards something, which I right. think is the f- it, not the I mean, failure is a strong word, but I do think dramatically is the failure in as much as, you know, it's not it's not it's not a good story to tell on film the way that it's written because it's. Everything about it happened already. So the right. movie is about moving past something, but there's not enough in front of them sure. to 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 percolate, to, right. to accelerate. And so like, it, and you know, and even and even the McConaughey character is in he's in he's an import, right? He's coming in to coach the team. Yeah. 
And so the whole structure is very strange. You have Matthew Fox, who's like the coach that didn't get on the plane or whatever. Yeah. And I do think his he is, performance he is, is good. good. Yeah, he's pretty good. But but like, why is he not the lead? And like, why? It's, there's is, a lot of there's a lot of weird it, things. Ian McShane is great. He's one of the fathers. There's a lot of good performances. And I do think, uh, not to be you know, I do think it is more than anything a failure of direction. I sure. do think you know McGee, you know, uh, can turn around an entertaining blockbuster. Case in point, Charlie's Angels full throttle. throttle. But this on this one. There's not enough care. There's not enough energy. It feels very seeped in its own emotion, and there's not enough to propel an actual story. And well, there's and there are moments. There are moments in this movie that, like you know, he 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 tries to grab onto. I think like the the like interesting little like and then this is what crazy coach McConaughey did like at this part and and some of it works like the thing of like they need players right so David Strathairn has to petition the NCAA to let them play freshmen right and there's like that's like a semi inside baseball type thing that's like kind of interesting right or the fact that they straight up went to like the other athletic teams and we're like oh we're just gonna take this basketball player from here and we're gonna take this you know baseball player from here or whatever there are things like that that you're like yeah okay that's kind of interesting and it's i but to your point i think yeah like in the hands of a of a way better director it's yeah it's probably a way better movie yeah and and, you know who who and this is the thing i think that's important about these things who who knows i suppose like with the way movies are made you know who's the one you know it could very well have just been a screenplay that just never had the momentum that it needed to have but yeah the movie comes out um, you know, kind of doesn't do anything, makes 40 million, you know, kind of comes and goes, right? It's kind of a movie yeah. that's forgotten, uh, you know, yeah. not not a real movie. Just kind of like a movie that might have happened. I think, and it's a, a, literally a movie that only even barely comes up in conversation if you're only having the conversation. And if you're talking about right how, now. like, do funerals end today, do, I mean, you go, tomorrow, that's when maybe. you talk about funerals do end today. Okay, so th- there's a weird thing in that scene. He has that whole speech or whatever. About right? how funerals end today. About yeah. funerals and today. And okay, today. so he's giving that speech at the cemetery where I don't think all the people, but some of the uh, six of the players right. that died got buried there, right? right? But then they're all like, everybody gets jacked up and they all crowd around McConaughey and they're all like, eh, we are Marshall, right? Whatever. But they're all standing on the graves. <laughs> It's like they're all like they literally all just trample all over like the six graves like that and, and I'm like, well, I mean, it's just, get it's, off the sacred ground. I, mean, I know it's about getting over it and whatever, but like, get off it. Get all yeah, like come on, come on, come on, Matthew. Uh, but and he's I don't know, he's fine in it. He's just it's that weird, it, you know, it's that kind of one note that I think through all this he continuously kept playing, which was like. The character is just a dude who's coming in, shake things up. I'm just, I'm a wild card. I'm, yeah, I do things my I, own way. It's and a, it's, it's really, it's a, uh, it's a low point. I think in this period, I, it's a really because it's no fun. It's a disappointment. It's not, yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's a, yeah. it's not good. It's a slot. Yeah, like, it's not good. And then, and then you know, only good. months later. Or not month. I'm sorry. Oh wow. No. Two. You know, it's like it's a, about a year and a half later. As a so matter of fact, what's weird about this movie? Tell me. 
uh, Fool's Gold. Spoilers. Directed by Andy Tennant, who we have talked about, about already, on this podcast <laughs> already with uh, Mr. Gavin Medius. We talked about it uh, in 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 relation I thought, to Hugh Gray, yeah. Scott, and Hugh Jackman. Mr. Andy Tennant. Yeah, I thought about he that comes up yet it. again. Um, he. What's funny though? So it's two years between We Are Marshall and this, right? So it's like he does How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, right? It's a monster hit. Yeah. Right. Then we get into the B-sides that we're talking about, right? right. And he's, it feels like he's trying to find his footing again, right? So he does a movie like We Are Marshall because he's like, maybe I get like a time to kill in there, right? Like maybe I get like a weird Oscar pushy yeah. kind of saccharine movie in there, right? And that doesn't work. So then it's like two years and he's like, oh, well, I did have that monster hit with Kate Hudson. Well, and also, don't forget, and also a modest hit with Failure, failure so to Launch. Dips his, so the rom-coms are the things that are like keeping him Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he comes back to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, I said before, I, I, this movie is a rom-com, but it sort of barely is because what this movie feels like, I also think Matthew McConaughey has, Matthew, if you're listening, if you could tell me what your like obsession with treasure and gold is, because I feel like there's like a, it's it comes up- yeah, many, many times in his movies, it's just kind of funny to me. I'm like, oh, he just really wants to be a treasure hunter, um, to a certain degree. But he like takes what didn't work in Sahara, right? Right. And then he takes what worked in How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, and he like tries to combine one, one movie, yeah, true, one movie with both of those things. Yeah, and it's to the credit of that mentality, and I, I say. I mean, that assumed mentality. Who knows what the motivations were behind this movie? But the one thing that does work in this movie, which is overall not good, uh, <laughs> the one thing that does work is they they have pretty good chemistry. Well, of course. I mean, they, you know, the premise is basically he's this diver, treasure hunter, you know, vagabond. They, you know, Kate Hudson and him were, were, were together for a long time. She's trying to get out. Yeah. Get a job, make some money, make something of herself. And I believe they're getting divorced, right? Yeah, at the beginning that's of the like movie. The first and they have a nice one. little like intro where like she hits him with something and yeah, like yeah. The, and his whole thing is I finally found this thing that we were talking about forever and ever. They I were like in it together. It. It's they were weirdly almost someone somewhere was like, Oh, this'll be you guys have such great chemistry. This'll be your romancing the stone. Well, no, exactly. It's, it of feels course. it feels exactly like that, and I mean it's it's not as good because a it's just not as good. Like you know, well, there's so many side things yeah, it's so, it's that very, are bad. It's like very the, there's a rich Donald Sutherland character yeah. and her and his like daughter who's like a. Uh, a dumb, you know, flighty character. She's like what at the time would have been like, you know, she's like, she's like a Nicole Richie or a Paris. Right. And, and the idea like, is like, yeah. he's the guy who's funding the expedition. To not some even, degree. not even initially. That's the other weird right. thing is like Kate Hudson works for him. She like, isn't wor- Kevin she like Hart on- in it? Okay. As that, the bad that's gangster. That's the other thing. Okay. Young Kevin, or not even like, young, but not famous but, but Kevin like, Hart. Th- okay. So this is the other weird thing. It feels like they tried to pull in these like other things. Like, you know what it reminds me of? After the sunset. Yes. With, with Pierce no, Brosnan. That's a really that's a really good comparison. It feels like they started with the thing of it in a room, someone was like, yo, Kate Hudson, Matthew McConaughey romancing the stone like treasure hunting adventure great idea amazing idea i yeah. think it's a really good great idea. idea and 
then yeah. it was like, yeah, but what if one of the plucky sidekicks was like uh, like a bimbo, like reality TV tabloid, whatever kind of person, right? And then what if the bad guy was like Kanye West if he shot more people? Like, you know, like it was like, because he's, because that's what Kevin Hart is. He's like a rapper that owns an island. Right. And, right, but is actually like also like a like has killed people and like like is like a but bad has a guy. huge ego and right. like you you know and so it's a really it, it it's just all these things that like don't go together yeah and it feels so fucking weird and like when they even try to like the climax of the movie is like there's a seaplane and they have the gold and like Kevin is this Hart- fool's gold. It's not. It's real gold. Spoilers. Oh, see the title. On this. It's, it's just misleading. A fa- it's a trick this, title. This is the other thing, and you and I have talked about this before. I do love and spoilers for the movie Gold, the Matthew McConaughey oh, movie. Right. Gold. Oh, oh my god. Okay, so, but this—that's that, what you're saying before the treasure hunting thing. But here's the funny thing of it. I just love the fact that again, spoilers. Oh, fool's, fool's gold, gold is about real is gold, gold and, and, and gold, gold is, is about, about fool's gold. gold. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that's a great point. That's a great point. Fool's gold has no fake gold. No, I don't believe all, all the gold that's found is in that movie, real. It's with the, and yeah. gold has only, only fake, fake gold. gold. <sighs> anyway, it's like it all. I feel like I just. I think we have something. to just end the podcast yeah. now. <laughs> Mic drop. Uh, no, but it's it's a movie like nothing goes together, and you can see Ray Winstone is in this movie, by the way. Oh and what's weird is. It's an adventure movie, right? So you can like, he's, he's like, it's like, this is a preface. This was what? Oh, six. Oh, six. Yeah. No. Oh, oh, wait, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Sorry. Oh. So this is, in 08, he played basically the same character twice because he is later in 08. Oh, yeah. In, 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 in Crystal Jones, Skull. Came like Crystal Skull. Oh, my God. As basically the same character, like the- A double crosser. Yeah, like the guy. double crosser. In this, he's positioned more as like the rival. So there's no real huge double cross. Who actually, he's like, it's like the reverse. He's like the double crosser who it winds up helping out. But it takes place in the Florida Keys. So he like has a Southern accent and it's like a huge mistake. It is like such a, just a- I'll poorly, never understand why. Poorly informed decision. Like I'll never. If you're Andy Tennant, and like maybe this is an actor's choice, and that's where if you're Andy Tennant, you just defer to the actor. But why not just tell Ray Winstone to just roll with roll with his, you know? And once yeah. again, maybe this is the actor's choice, and right? You, and you just kind of roll. You know, with I've talked it, about but, that. Like the uh, tons of movies get ruined by people that it's like just don't do the accent, right? Just it don't doesn't. Do it. It's not needed. And look, Ray Winstone. If you're listening, I apologize. Ray. You you would not have ruined this movie either way. Right. Like, there are way worse things that are wrong with this movie. Um, and isn't it funny, to your point, McConaughey's got a movie coming out that might even line up with this episode called Serenity that I believe takes place in the Keys. Oh, no. and Right. And, like, on a boat. And, and it's like, like a murder mystery. Yeah. And, obviously, looks, looks and hopefully will be quite a bit better than yeah. Fool's Gold. But then, and let's zip through... He stays on the beach, yeah, and he makes, you know, <sighs> arguably one of the worst movies yeah. that, I, so that I, either of us have ever yeah, seen. I had ne- I had never seen this movie, and I texted you when I finished watching it that Surfer, comma Dude, which is Surfer, dude. Surfer, dude, dude, might be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Well, like with uh, with the caveat of like the one of the worst movies I've ever seen with like 
people you recognize. Well, and I would say that it's also just because it almost feels like it's not a movie, right? I mean, it's a... And and me and you did a bit of research to kind of figure out why it got made and was there an interesting story? And it seems like there's not. I mean, it literally seems like... You know, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey, Ed TV reunion decided to just make this movie where, you know, we found some behind the scenes video on YouTube of, of them making it. And it looks like they had a blast filming it. Well, and, and Harrelson and unfortunately famous- it just doesn't translate on screen. Har- Harrelson famous. Well, I don't know if it's like famous. It's not like people quote this, but it, in that- everybody knows surfer dude. Yeah, it's yeah, a great movie. People talk no, about it all the time in the, in the, in the few places that I looked for information on this movie, it, this popped up in every single one of those places. Harrelson said like, this is the most non work I've ever done on a, <laughs> on a movie. And it a thousand percent feels like that. Like there is just like, not, it's like barely a movie. Like, barely yeah and it 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 feels like a just a mega vanity project it feels like like matthew mcconaughey literally being like let's get willie nelson let's get woody nelson let's get a little high on the beach get our surfboards let's make a movie what do you say and like (laughs) it's uh, everything about it screams like vanity project it's like the movie's about like a a big wave surfer who like there are no waves for like um, tons of like like a month or basic like whatever and he has like an existential crisis and like doesn't know what to do with himself he swears off weed and women and like while he's it's anyway whatever i it's who cares it's just it's just nothing i don't know it's just it's a about movie an that, existential crisis and it feels like a real life one right which like it feels that's, like McConaughey. that's probably the best take yeah right is that it's a in the middle of this you know, his movies are starting to make less, right? Like Fool's Gold, not a flop, but, you know, basically makes its budget back, obviously kind of largely forgotten. Um, I think the movies start netting less. And then Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, oh, yeah. which is a gender political nightmare. Oh, God. It's, yeah. It's basically... I got five minutes in and I was like, oh, I yeah. don't know if it's I can not, keep watching this. You know, you know, a movie that weirdly I feel like plays a lot on TNT still, um, which I suppose I, I suppose a lot of these movies kind of are like that. Like I feel like Fool's Gold plays a lot on TNT. How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, obviously more 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 making sense. Obviously plays more, and that makes a little bit more sense. Ghost of Girlfriends Past. Basically, McConaughey plays a famous photographer who's a womanizer, a playboy. And his brother, Brecken Meyer, is getting married uh, to, I, be, I believe, Lacey Chabert? Chabert? Chabert, yeah. And um, and he goes to the wedding, of course, kind of to convince Brecken Meyer to not get married. Yeah. And whilst going there to do that, realizes that his, like, the love of his life, Jennifer Garner, uh-huh. is there. In Who the would later party. show up in... Dallas Buyers Club and would give an amazing performance in Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, this movie is, uh, you know, it's um, Christmas Carol. Yeah, which is why I was saying it's. Yeah. I, I mean, it's weird that it didn't come out around then. That's he's like, approached that's... in his moment of he like fucks up the wedding right or the rehearsal dinner or something. He has yeah he at the rehearsal dinner he, like, he, messes up the cake. He gives no that that happens, but that's a different moment. Okay, he at the rehearsal dinner basically drinks too much whiskey and is like 
marriage is a sham. Oh, why right. Does any, right, right, know, right, right. Why right. does anybody do this? Whatever. And I will say, and I, <laughs> I was watching this with Brittany, my girlfriend, and uh, who's a real person. <laughs> and um, we, she made this cop, like this dude keeps chiming in at the rehearsal dinner where he's like, hey, yeah, no, you should at least do this. Like, oh, they're trying to get him to give a speech. Brecken Meyer is like, hey, you should give a speech tomorrow. And then this guy is like, yeah, dude, it's the least you could do. And Brittany goes, who the fuck is this guy? And right after Matthew McConaughey is like, who, who are you? And it's like, yeah, what? Who are you, guy? Like, whatever. And it's this whole meltdown scene, whatever, where he like goes on yeah. this whole thing. And it's it's basically that he like goes into the bathroom or whatever. And he sees Michael Douglas, who, who's his it, uncle, it, and who it is established is dead. They are like having the wedding at Michael Douglas's estate, right? Uh, and basically, I guess the the thing is like McConaughey's parents died, yeah, and he in was a car accident. And he was raised by, by Douglas, his, like shitty uncle who's a womanizer, yeah. but young McConaughey always idolized the uncle, and all because Jennifer Garner danced with some other kid at a dance which i mean we all know yeah as that one little thing can make you this terrible person yeah, for 40 forever. years you know how the one thing that happens and what you need to do is have your dead Michael Douglas school, uncle show you the three ghosts of whatever yeah. and then emma stone is like with the ghosts of whatever crush, dan i think the three ghosts of, <laughs> of girlfriend's past yeah okay sorry i apologize to all to all of our listeners um Emma and Stone, then Emma Stone though, is, is 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 like the Jacob Marley, or the no no she's like the she's the guide she's like the yeah she's like the right yeah and I the movie this movie's bad it's a bad movie yeah it's just a movie where like even the poster feels like a fake poster yeah like look it up if you're listening just type yeah. Ghost of Girlfriend's Past <laughs> poster and images Google images and you'll it feels like. Like from funny people, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like you'd be you'd be writing like a satirical Matthew McConaughey type actor, and they would have made a movie called Ghosts of Girlfriends. Right. Like that's what the poster looks. That's like. what the movie. And that's what the movie feels yeah, like. Yeah. It feels like a bunch of people who are like, I guess we'll and, do this. And it reminds it, me of it reminds me of a great Clint Eastwood quote where he made a movie in 1990 called The Rookie with Charlie Sheen. It's a very very bad movie. Um, it's just like kind of a very boring, slow cop thriller. And somebody asked Clint Eastwood about it, I think later on. And Eastwood, who I think is a pretty famously honest guy in regards to his career, yeah. said about The Rookie, said, what I learned with The Rookie is don't do something just because you want to do something. Right? Like right. Don't, don't just take a – don't just direct a movie because you have nothing to direct. And I feel with Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, everyone involved, especially Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, and maybe he's just going back to the well because this is, as we have established, he's realizing like with Wedding Planner, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Failure to Launch, and even Fool's Gold to a lesser extent, he feels like he can like fall back on these rom-coms. And yeah. obviously this time around, the audience just, didn't show up as much. And then I think that's where maybe he had that moment, maybe the surfer dude being another part of that moment, yeah. which is obviously conjecture, but I think interesting to think about where he was like, I need to make a change. No, exactly. And I think uh, like this movie in particular 
he's so wildly unlikable. Oh. Man. Like that, like that's almost even the harder part. Like in all these other movies, he plays a little bit of a troublemaker, a little bit of a cad, but like he's charming. You know, he's Matthew McConaughey. But it's like in this movie, I'm like, no, this dude's a piece of shit. Yeah. And, and Jennifer Garner should find somebody else. Yeah. And like Garner and, is in it. And it's the problem of like, it also shouldn't be Garner because she's too nice. Like, yeah, she's too nice. And he's so terrible that it would never make sense yeah. that this beautiful human, not just like beautiful, like beautiful in every way, yeah. inside and out, and this like horrible, He's like a monster, just monstrous person. Yeah, maybe they liked each other at one point, but they would never like. Yeah, it just doesn't. It could never happen. So there are so many elements of this movie. Now I think Emma Stone gives a pretty good comedic performance. Yeah, she's Obviously, funny. she's younger. Yeah. This is her coming up. I is, think this is part of Douglas's like last. He Vegas, was playing like, old yeah. creepy guys. One night at McCool's, Las Vegas. A little bit later, uh, it works. I you know I. You know, I, I always want more from Michael Douglas. Wonder Boys is one of my favorite movies, so I always kind of lament. The that's his, fa- best, perf- that's his well, best performance. Yeah, and I always lament the failure of Wonder Boys because I do think that was the inflection point for Douglas, where he was like, "Well, fuck it, I'm just gonna like do yeah. studio movies now." The, there's a thing. I'm not to segue, but I have a logistical question about this movie. Say, is Emma Stone dead? No, oh, that's a good question. So somewhere else in the world of the movie is because she plays so just well because clarity, she but she's the age she's his first sexual partner that's like why but she's obviously the guy. emma stone is the in the movie is the age, age that she was when they had the encounter exactly but mike so but like it's, your question she's is a, she's is a she ghost dead? oh right? maybe so it's like maybe is she, she maybe she's dead is she dead or maybe is there dead. also some just Emma Stone doing real well. Like 20 with, years with later, life. though. Yeah, exactly. Like Matthew McConaughey aged Emma, Emma Stone. Stone. So, like Emma Stone in 10 years. Right. From now, from 2018. Well, from whenever this movie got made. Well, no, because they're how, I mean, they got to be at least, what, 15 years apart at the very least. I guess so, yeah. Um, I, I was just thinking about the wall. I guess she's the, dead. The logistics of it. Because if, like, if Douglas is dead. Right. So what? What the fuck what ha- happened? What Emma happened? Stone? Emma Stone. That's Poor so Emma sad. Stone. That's so sad. Oh. Um, and also, it must have happened like right after their encounter, because right, she's, she's still that age. Young. Like, oh I, man, yeah. There's, there's a tragedy yeah, lurking amongst Ghosts of Girlfriends. Yeah, you, know, you know, there might be lurking is a better movie somewhere in no, what we're talking about. So I, you know, and that's kind of it. I mean, he he. The, it may. I guess the thing is. When you look at this and you see that Ghost of Girlfriend's Past is the movie he makes that then leads to him taking another two years and then giving us The Lincoln Lawyer, in which it feels like, you know, 15 years later, you're like, oh, yeah, this is the movie we wanted McConaughey to be in 15 years ago, right? Like this, like. Law thriller, I think, and and it's a and it's a popper, right? It's a good movie, and then that only leads into Bernie, Magic Mike, Killer Joe, The Paper Boy, Mud, Dallas Buyers Club, Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar, like yeah, boom. And I think, well, I mean, I think the four up, years of just, I think the the, the lead up uh, to Dallas Buyers Club is important because he wins an Oscar, right? It's like literally, and I think that's almost what helps is like not the Oscar thing, but. Like well, the Oscars when, for the run, right? Not just Dallas yeah, Buyers exactly, Club, yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, like, yeah. I think what's interesting is I think the reason you know when you were talking before about 
when he would talk about the rom-com work and stuff like that, I think the reason it was easy to like really, really root for the guy when the reconnaissance was happening was because of stuff like that and because he would just talk about all the work. And it was this kind of thing of like him reminding the world of like, oh yeah, he's kind of earned this a little bit. And like, I, I, I said this to you before we started recording. I don't know that he earned the like comeback part of the reconnaissance to a certain degree, because I would argue up until the reconnaissance, I, and watching all these movies sort of reminded me, I don't by and large really like Matthew McConaughey like, yeah. as an actor. I I like him now. Like I like, you know, the movies he's made in the last seven, Five, seven years eight, or whatever. Seven years, yeah. yeah. But like, as he's become a more interesting actor and like with a little bit more nuance. But I think a big part of it, like I said before, is I think the best thing he ever did was age, right? Like when he stopped just doing the thing where it's like, oh, I just got to be charming and sexy and I'll take my shirt off and whatever. It's like he, when he like started getting just a little bit more interesting. And, um, and I think, uh, that that run up to the Oscar is, um, I don't know. I think it's him finally getting to make all the movies he maybe wishes he could have peppered in with his entire Well, career. and clearly tried maybe and failed to pepper in, right? right. And I think – and this is uh, – we'll leave it with this, right? And I think we were speaking about this before the podcast. Other than Paul Newman, I think when, especially when you look at this run that we discussed uh, in detail, you know, between How to Lose a Guy and um, Lincoln Lawyer, a guy he reminds me of is the recently deceased – R.I.P. Burt Reynolds, in as much as I think his likability, and I think the likability is still there, obviously, even in these more recent impressive performances, is 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 his biggest weapon. He's a guy who you like to see on sc- screen. And so I think we slightly disagree on it in as much as even in these movies, even in these Fool's Gold movies, um, I do think he has a certain amount of charm that does remind me of the thing with Burt Reynolds where you know Burt Reynolds never I don't think fully made the turn to aged character actor the way that McConaughey did though he hinted at it in movies like Sharky's Machine which he directed and then obviously even later on uh, with Boogie Nights, of course, right, which right. which he got nominated for, and he's amazing in. Um, but I don't think he was ever able to fully embrace, you know, his age and his the character that comes with obviously getting older. Whereas, obviously, like you're saying with McConaughey, he has been able to, and as he continues to make movies, and obviously as we're recording this, White Boy Rick is in theaters. Uh, Serenity is around the corner. Um, you know, he has movies coming out that look very interesting. He's got the Beach Bum. The trailer just came out not too right. long ago. Harmony Crin movie coming out next year. So he's still doing. He's doing these interesting projects. And when you think about Burt Reynolds, um, you wish that that guy, that actor, that movie star, had that extra level that McConaughey is revealing he has of being not just a great movie star but a great actor. Yeah. And I, so, think, I think part of it is he's he leans to, you know, he leans on his strengths. Like if you look at a majority of like the movies that are that are in the reconnaissance and even, you know, Serenity and Beach Bum to a certain degree, there is like, you know, I think when he leans into like a slightly more like mature and like a little bit trashy, like sweaty, deep fried kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, I think. 
I think that's where he excels. And I think, uh, I, I think his career is just monumentally and like his legacy will be monumentally better for it. You know, McConaughey, like we said, started off hot, had a detour down the rom-com road, but I think by his own hand. And as we're talking about, not quite the detour that I think film history, film Twitter would have you believe though. Now that we have him as this kind of accomplished actor, it's great to have him where we have him now. So, you know, you look at these movies and you say, Hey, if he hadn't have done these, he wouldn't be doing the ones that we have now. So sure. that said, real quick, I, I do want to ask, what do you want to see him do next? McConaughey, yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, this is going to sound horrible. I would love to see another rom <laughs> I God, I wish I bet money. Uh, yeah, I hate I myself. I wish I bet two for the money. Uh, I hate myself for saying I it, hate you a little bit for saying But I too. would love another Matthew McConaughey rom-com. I wouldn't uh, want it to result in another 10 years of Matthew McConaughey rom-coms, but I think one more would be nice. You know what I'd love? Actually, let me amend it. This is what I love. I would love a third McConaughey Kate Hudson movie, but not be a rom-com, but more like a romance, like a drama, romantic yeah. drama. Okay. That, that's I would that, be okay with that's that. my answer. Yeah, no, a, that's good. A third Kate Hudson like- Matthew McConaughey movie that's more of a you know i don't want to say serious but more of a a romantic drama i was gonna say um i would love to see him do uh two two things two things because i i'd said before i i think part of the reason you know some of the movies in the reconnaissance work is because he's allowed to kind of go like full ham right like that's why magic mike uh works you know, wonders, I think is cause he just gets hammy and it's a lot of fun. And, um, so I would love to see him, uh, in the equivalent of like a fast and furious movie. Like I would love to see him be able to like play a villain who pops up for two seconds or something and like a, and he sort of does it kind of in dark tower and that movie's not very good, but uh, I do actually think he's, it's a good he's, he's fun. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think he's fun in it. I agree. Um, so I would like to see another, like, more successful turn at that. Or I would want to see him get, like, a shot that, like, Ethan Hawke gets in Boyhood in, like, another Linklater movie. Interesting. Like, I would like, like, I imagine if, like, he was some sort of, like, a baseball coach or mentor in like everybody wants some like, do you know, like I, I, I would want to see him reteam with Linklater uh, in a way that could, you know, take more advantage of the actor he's become. Well, until we find out what he does next, luckily we do have a few movies, like we said before coming out white boy, Rick, which may be out as you're listening and serenity. And then I think next year, like we said, the beach bum. So he's got a few coming out. We'll see what's next after that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think we can all say we're happy with what he's been doing. So thank God for rom-coms. Is that what we're saying? That romantic comedies lead people to make great movies? Um, Let's say that that is what we're saying. Thank you for listening. I'm Dan Mecca. That's Conor O'Donnell. Thank you for having me. And we'll see you soon. Just keep going.